get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 804 on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Bernie Federko coming up at 815, and it is time for a fresh take. Here is Sam Page. It will be a requirement, and I will be um, very surprised if businesses whose employees are not wearing masks will get much um, traffic. All right. If we're going to have to wear masks when going to businesses, and that rule is in place in early July when baseball is supposed to start, think of the effect that it could have on games. Are players going to have to wear masks? Pitchers and pitching coaches won't have to put their hand over their glove uh, or, or their glove over their face anymore. That's a good thing. We won't be able to read lips when a manager argues with an umpire. That's not good. Catchers and home plate umps will have to wear a mask and then put a mask on over their mask. It'll be interesting. Would having a mask up over the nose affect hitters for pitches that are down in the zone? Look what happened to Jason Hayward when he had that little mask over his mouth. He couldn't hit the low inside fastball anymore. What about pitchers in July in St. Louis? Those guys are breathing hard. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for Jack Flaherty when he's sweating? Is he going to be able to get through an inning with that mask hindering his breathing and getting all soaked in sweat? Some of the things we have to think about is baseball perhaps makes its return with COVID rules in place. And by the way, all of the players for major league teams will be wearing team issued masks with logos. One thing that you said, Randy, that I thought thought about is you said we wouldn't be able to read managers' lips when they argue mm-hmm. with the umpire, and that's a negative. There's not going to be any fans there. We're going to be able to hear everything that is said at all oh, that's at all point. times. So yeah. at least that's one thing we won't have to worry about. But yeah, when teams are out there speaking to their players about potentially getting ready to come to spring training and potentially getting ready for a season, I wonder if this is a factor that they're talking about. Hey, we're going to provide these masks for you. You're going to have to wear them, and here are some breathing techniques we need. You to focus on so that you can effectively be able to play the game with this on. Now, while Sam Page yesterday talked about the requirement of masks, Mayor Lida Krusen was asked about when hair and nail salons will be able to return, Michelle, and she said that timing is still up in the air. Randy... I would call this a fresh take, but nothing about the state of my beauty right now is fresh. (laughs) Everything has been expired. I can't tell you... Let me just, I feel like I have to give this caveat. We know that people are struggling with real things out there. We know people are, their health is affected. People are losing their lives. People have lost, lost their jobs. I understand all this. But. Putting, putting that aside, <laughs> one of the worst parts about the stay-at-home order and this quarantine has been the fact that many men and women out there are struggling in the beauty department. 
I know a lot of guys who have just shaved their heads. They've buzzed their heads because they can't deal with the shaggy effect and the fact that they can't go out and get a haircut. My friends and I, all the women in my life, we are lamenting about the roots of our dyed hair going towards our ears. Ready? I had to buy a fedora because I didn't know what to do to cover up my roots. I've been wearing a baseball hat every day. I, I dream about the day that I can get my nails done. It, I dream about it. I want to wear a, a nice spring Den, Dennis Rodman blue. That's all I want is to go get a pedicure. And I have to tell you, I had a conversation with one of my girlfriends. She had recently moved in with her boyfriend. And she called me up and she was like, listen, I'm afraid he's going to leave me. And I was like, why? Because <laughs> of quarantine? <laughs> and she goes, you know, I have spent a lot of time and money generating this image. My hair was done. I've been tan. My nails are done. I had fake eyelashes. All She's like, everything is gone. I am stripped bare. The real me is exposed. <laughs> and I said, but you know what? Here's the good news is that it's not like he's going to pop out of quarantine and there's all going to be all these hot babes out there. We're all in the same boat, okay? We all look a little busted and a little worn down. But I, I just am going to need salons to open up soon, Randy. <laughs> Safely, of course, so, but we're going to need it soon. I, I, I told Michelle about this and I said, <laughs> I want you to express some faux outrage. And she said, it's not going to be faux. It's not faux. <laughs> It is not fun. You know, people always say, what's the first thing you want to do when you get out of quarantine? And some people want to go to a restaurant. Some people, you know, want to go see their friends. But I have already texted my hairdresser. I was like, I don't care what needs to be done. Get me at the top of the list. Get me. <laughs> we were supposed to take headshots, Randy, for our uh, new show. Anymore. And I replied all, it must be nice to be a guy and be able to not worry about hey. this. I cannot take a headshot Believe me, right now. Uh, I got this shaggy look, and I had uh, I'm my eye, eyebrows are like a Sesame Street character. It's it's unbelievable. Do you get yeah. your eyebrows done, Randy? No, but at least I get them trimmed when I go in and get a haircut, and they were they're like six feet long. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's rough out there. It's rough yeah. out there in quarantine. And Jeff Passon, by the way, with our quarantine, uh, with the report that Major League Baseball Michelle is preparing a proposal for the Players Association, so that. Hopefully, they could get spring training started in June and the season started in July. The coronavirus is still here, and we still have no idea where it's going. So the idea that there's going to be sports played in the middle of all of this, there's some cognitive dissonance that people need to understand is going to be there. And those fears that are going to be present and understandable with some people are going to need to be allayed by those health officials and politicians in order for this really to work. I think we talked about that earlier in the show, Randy. There's going to be those fears, not only with public health officials, but with the people involved in getting this done. But I keep using the the metaphor. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. I think once you get into it and you get it's just like wearing the mask. And when you go to the grocery store, how you have to wait in the socially distanced line and only so many people are allowed in. If you would have told us that that was going to be our reality three months ago, it seemed very, very foreign to us. And the first time we did it, it was a scary thing because you're grasping the reality of the situation and how it's affected our daily lives. But I think once games get started, they get rolling, you become more comfortable with the new protocol, you become comfortable with the masks or the way that you have to approach your day-to-day -day routine, I think it, it's just like anything in life. It gets easier and easier, and you're able to adapt quicker to the new wrinkles that may come up in this. Uh, and I understand how there are so many hurdles to clear. I think the biggest one is testing. And I, I've, I will feel 
100% comfortable about the health and well-being and welfare of the players and all of the personnel on the field if they're tested. If we know that none of them have the coronavirus and they're playing against each other and somebody needs to take out a second baseman or a shortstop at second or run over a catcher at home plate, I'm not worried because if you don't have the virus, you can't give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That is our fresh take here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend Bernie Federko. This is a big day for the Blues, and we're going to talk to Bernie Federko about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With these new hours, I've been playing some golf, and I was out at Whitmore yesterday, and I was looking for a cart because I don't want a cart with triple digits. So I found cart number 24, and I said, oh, that's Bernie Federko's number. I'll take (laughs) cart number 24. And so that's the cart I used yesterday at Whitmore, and the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko from FS Midwest, is with us in the Blues booth, as he is every Wednesday here on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Bernie, it's great to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Randy, and I hope you shot like in the 70s then with the number 24 card. Uh, I'm I'm reaching for that. I'm I'm striving for that. I was better with your cart, though, than I was a couple of days before that. Well, I'm glad to know that. Glad to know that. (laughs) Bernie, one year ago today was one of the all-time great moments in St. Louis Blues history. Blues, Dallas Stars, May 7th, Game 7, and you have number 7, the hometown kid, Pat Maroon, knocking it in in double overtime to send the Blues to the next round. Randy and I, during the break, were reminiscing. We were actually sitting next to one another in the press box at that game, watching it unfold. But if you could, can you just take us through your memories from that game or what's something, one thing that you think about when you think about that game and how it unfolded. Well, I just uh, think Michelle that it was, was one of those games. I think those one of those games we'll always remember. It's uh, uh, just the excitement. Anytime you, I mean, first of all, it's Game Seven. Uh, anytime you go into a uh, overtime period, too, and then you took takes two. Uh, I think that we were all sitting on the edge of our chairs. I mean, I, I think the, I re- recall uh, you know a number of uh, close calls. Uh, I think more for for the Dallas Stars. I mean, um, you know, they hit a couple of posts and a couple of wraparounds. Biddington made a couple of big saves, and uh, it's just one of those games that I, I think that I, I lost my breath more times than I than I care to uh, uh, even remember. But uh, uh, it was uh, just the electric uh, electricity that, that that was there at Enterprise after uh, Pat did score. So I mean, that, that those are, there's there's very few games that I think. Over all the games that I've you know been to, that I played into, and, and all that stuff, but uh, that's one of the games uh, uh, that I'll always remember. Bernie, you played in that double overtime game against Pittsburgh in '81. Played in the Monday Night Miracle. What's it like for a player to be in a situation like that where it's it's all or nothing? If you don't win, your season is over. Well, Randy, I think it's more when you're playing, you have some, at least you have somewhat control. So I think it's, it's a lot easier when you're, uh, you know, whether you're on the bench or you're on the ice. I mean, I think you're, there's the, the fear is there, obviously, when you think about it, but you have a job to do when you're on the ice. And, and so you're really not even uh, really making that much of a, an issue, whether or not, I mean, you certainly don't want to, uh, you know, get scored against, but I think your job is to try to score a goal and try to, uh, you know, get the win. So I think when you're out there, um, you're really not thinking about it. I mean, it's like any pressure. I think there's more pressure on the fans there that are watching, um, wondering what's going to happen. I think when you have when you're sitting on the bench or on the ice, you have much more control. So I think you're more at ease. You're just playing, you're, you're just doing the job that you've been doing all your life. And uh, uh, so I would 
Pete, to be honest with you, I would have rather been out there on the bench or on the ice uh, than, than sitting there watching when the Blues were in double overtime. As we're recounting this, Bernie, I keep thinking about the situations the Blues were in last season and, you know, the pressure that you talk about, whether it was a Game 7 or the hand pass game. This Blues team has such mental fortitude. It seems like nothing really rattled them, or if a situation arose, they were able to move past it quickly. And I think as we approach the rest of this 2020 season, if and when the, the NHL resumes and the Blues do get out there, I think that mental toughness will serve them well in what is a unique and uh, unknown situation. Yeah, they were, were through so much last year, Michelle. The, the, when you look at what they, I mean, being last, but he's you know, documented, they're being last in the entire league in uh, early January and then to end up uh, you know, putting the big run on and, of course, winning the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, they know how to win. And I think that they're a team that, that uh, uh, knows how to bounce back from, from you know, a defeat or, or they, they know exactly what it takes to win. They know how to grind. And I think that's what we talked about all the time during the year. I mean, I think everybody expected them to, to have the Stanley Cup hangover that they probably would struggle here and there during the season. And really, if you only look at that uh, part in, in late January where they had uh, a little bit of a funk going. Um, you know, other than that, they were, were pretty resilient groups. So uh, I think when you grind, when you have the style of play that they have, um, they know what they have to do to win. And if they have a little setback, they know that if they continue to grind, they're going uh, to get the proper results. So, yeah, I, I, if, 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 if and when they do come back, uh, I think that this is really uh, going to be a positive for them as well. I mean, they'll be rested. Uh, they know what they have to do. They know what kind of grind they have to go through to win another Stanley Cup. And I think they're very excited to, to, to try to defend their title. So I think there's a lot of great things going for them that uh, if this does resume, uh, there certainly should be a favorite to win it again. The Hall of Famer Bernie Federico with us on 101 ESPN. And Bernie, this is going to be unusual in that players haven't had the opportunity to be on the ice. You've come off of injuries, at least, where you haven't been on the ice. How long do you think it'll be before players can get out and play a game? Not be in really good hockey shape, but just play an NHL game. I don't think it'll take them that long to get back into the grind of things. I mean, uh, when you're... uh, First of all, the guys stay in good shape. And now, you know, it might be a little different, uh, but I don't know what they have as far as, as uh, you know, home equipment right now, uh, whether they're running outside or what they're doing, because I really have not talked to a lot of them. But, um, you know, once they get into a situation where they can start training, you know, very, very, you know, heavily, whether it be in the weight room or whatever they're doing, uh, but once they get on the ice to skate, if they skate for two or three weeks, that's what the league wants. If they get into a couple of... Uh, uh, even the scrimmages or what, what do you call pre you know preseason games? We always talk about it uh, for a couple games. They don't need much. I mean, these guys are. I mean, the professionals. Uh, they're always in good shape. They they know what they have to do. So I, I really don't think it's going to take them. To, I mean, they're not going to be in midseason form. Let's put it that way. But um, once the timing is there after a couple of games, uh, they'll be absolutely fine. You won't know. You you won't miss a beat. You'll you'll notice the hockey will be really good. Vince Dunn and Sammy Blay are using rollerblades and skating on rollerblades. You've been involved with roller hockey as an executive. How do you think that'll translate? Does that help? Well, it helps with the hockey skills. I mean, uh, you know, the skating stride is kind of the same. Uh, a lot of things you, you can do on, on inline skates that you can't do on, on, on ice skates. I mean, the turning and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's just the hand-eye and it's using the puck and the stick. And I think that's what's going to keep them much more uh, in tune with things because you're still you're using your tools. I mean, you you have the stick in your hand. Uh, you shoot the puck the same way. I mean, uh, the, everything about uh, uh, the game of hockey with inline is the same. The way you shoot it, the way you pass it, all those things. So uh, I'm sure that any of the guys that are out there doing that 
uh, yeah, it's going to actually help them an awful lot with their skills. Bernie, we talk about the Blues getting back to the physical form and the way that they've been training. I'm curious about the chemistry aspect of this because the team was on a roll. And they had, you know, with the exception of a few pieces, been the team that went on this unbelievable journey together in the Stanley Cup. And it seemed like the chemistry that they had in the playoffs and in the second half of last season rolled right over into this season. And then even guys like Marco Scandella, you add him to the fold, and it seems like chemistry-wise, he fit in with the Blues right away. But then this unprecedented thing happens everyone is separated from each other and you know I'm sure that they I know that they've been doing zoom calls and some people have been staying in touch with one another but from a chemistry standpoint how do you think that that affects the team and do you think it might take a while for them to get in that rhythm when they return back together well this is a team that likes each other I mean uh, they went through so much last year they won a Stanley Cup so I'm sure they're probably feeling not very good about things right now that they can't be with each other I think uh uh, that's the thing with close-knit teams. Uh, you want to be around each other. You want to have fun. You know what you can do when you're together because you win. And I think they're probably missing that an awful lot. And I, I know that uh, for you know when I played, um, you know the summer was nice, but uh, you miss the guys because you're the camaraderie you have with them each and every day um, is, is something that's really really special. You, you, you're bound. I mean, they're family to you. Uh, and uh, the fact is that uh, you know you miss a piece of the family. Well, you know when somebody else comes in and takes a place, and that's what you talk about Scandella. Uh, when you know that Tarasenko is really uh, he's healed, he's ready to go to come back. He would be another uh, really really good piece. But uh, uh, this is a close knit group. Uh, I think they'd be. I think it's a, again to their benefit too because the chemistry they do have together, and uh, I think that they can get it back together and back back uh, you know going um, you know really. Right off the bat, I think they can get things going really well because of the chemistry that they do have. Hockey fans in St. Louis know Bernie Federico is a social guy. We see you out and about. You have a ton of friends, and you like to hit restaurants. How have you handled all of this? Well, it's been tough, uh, like everybody else. I mean, we've been kind of staying to ourselves, uh, my wife and I. We haven't gone many places. I mean, it would be nice to get to a restaurant, nice to get out. I mean, the only place that I really get to is the grocery store and the and I get to the hardware store every once in a while if I need something, but uh, it's, it's been uh, a tough goal. But uh, uh, like everybody says, it's the most important thing is to get through this safely, and uh, we'll hope that we're uh, starting to look at the bright side now, and hopefully things will start getting better and better as they seem to be right now. And uh, it, it'll be nice to get back out there, back out in the community, back out to, to seeing the people that we really miss. I mean, we miss a lot of our friends and um, you know, we talk to them all the time, still on the phone, and uh, uh, we do. We're, we're not that sophisticated that we do Zoom very much <laughs> or, or FaceTime. Uh, so, uh, you know, we do see the boys, our, our, our you know, our sons, uh, this and that. But uh, it's been tough. It's been a tough goal. It's been, uh, and it seems to get. It's it's been really. It seems like it's been forever, to be honest with you, right now. So uh, uh, it's nice that the weather is getting a little better too, so we can get outside. But uh, I hope that uh, everybody continues to do the social distancing because we need to. Uh, uh, make sure that uh, this doesn't spread anymore. But it would be really nice to get back to normal. If there is going to be a normal again, I can hardly wait. Bernie Federico, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Sounds good, Randy. You, you and Michelle have a great day, too. Thank you, sir. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, in the Blues booth on 101 ESPN. Next up, we have a contestant for the fight which is coming your way with Smallman and Carriker, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here with you. We're getting ready to do the fight. Yes, it's the four o'clock fight that was on the fast lane for many, many years. Now that Randy and I have moved to mornings, we've poached the fight from the fast lane. We've taken it with us. And it's going to be at 8.30 every morning. So if you haven't heard, now you know. The fight, 8.30 every morning. But before we welcome in our fighter today, David, I want to let everyone know that coming up next segment, you can leave us a Rhino Shield mic drop. You can send us a text message on the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Randy and I want to hear from you. What is the most confident and least confident aspect for you when it comes to the 2020 St. Louis Cardinals? So leave us a mic drop, leave us a text message, and we can hear from you next segment. But again, before we welcome him, our fighter, let's talk to Tommy Freeze Pops. Tommy, what are we fighting for today? Michelle, this week, fighters will receive, if they win, a gift card to Randy Carricker's local restaurant pick of the week, Bandana's Barbecue. Bandana's Barbecue is offering online ordering and open every day from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. for catering, curbside pickup, delivery for DoorDash, and offering a special family-style feasts menu. We also have a chance to score a gift card all week on the 101 ESPN app for everyone not playing for the fight today. Enter code word Randy, R-A-N-D-Y, Randy, to the app for your chance to win that gift card. Thank you for the spelling, Free Spops. <laughs> All right, let's bring in David, Randy's challenger for today. David, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How about you guys? Feeling great. What's your confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10 that you will be able to beat Randy today? Uh, about an eight. Eight. I love the confidence. Well, just to let you know, we're keeping count. Randy, so far, is a clean sweep the entire week. But, David, with your eight confidence, I'm feeling like you can bring him down today. So let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Question number one, David. The date for Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's 30 for 30 was announced earlier this week. It's going to debut on June 14th, so circle your calendars for that one. The question is, where did Mark McGuire play college baseball? Was it Texas, USC, or Florida? USC. Question number two, what male American tennis player has the most career Grand Slam victories? Was it John McEnroe, Pete Sampras, or Jimmy Connors? Uh, Sampras. Question number three, David, on this day in 1972, Wilt Chamberlain won his second and final NBA championship of his career. What team was Chamberlain playing for at the time? Was it the 76ers, the Warriors, or the Lakers? Uh... 76ers, Warriors, Lakers. I'm going to say Lakers. NFL quarterback Alex Smith turns 36 today. Who was Smith's head coach while playing college football at Utah? Was it Jim Harbaugh, Les Miles, or Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer. All right, let's bring in Randy. David, I can't tell you how you did, but I think your eight confidence was a pretty good guess. Awesome. Proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're getting Randy in here. Here he comes, getting walking in. Oh, he's drinking a Propel, so he's hydrated. Uh-oh. <laughs> Randy's getting settled in here. Randy, say hello to David, who's your challenger today. Hey, David, how you doing? Good, how are you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks for having me. All right, Randy. David put up a pretty good showing, so here we go. Okay. Question number one. The date for the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa 30 for 30 was announced earlier this week. It's going to debut on June 14th. Mm-hmm. Where did Mark McGuire play college baseball? He was teammates with the big unit, Randy Johnson, at USC. Question number two, Randy. What male American tennis player has the most career Grand Slam victories? That would be Pete Sampras. 
<laughs> Question number three. On this day in 1972, Wilt Chamberlain won his second and final NBA championship of his career. What team was Chamberlain playing for at the time? If I'm not mistaken, he was a Laker by that time. Question number four. NFL quarterback Alex Smith turns 36 today. Who was Smith's head coach while playing college football at Utah? At Utah, the head coach of the Utes was Urban Meyer. I don't really know how to call this one, but we have a winner. <laughs> you guys both got all four correct. Beautiful. Four to four. So David will be back tomorrow. Oh. So, yes, that's right. Okay, I was trying to think. I was like, I know it goes to the listener, but now David comes back tomorrow. That's yeah. right. Well, David, you said your confidence level was at eight. It should have been at a 10, buddy, because clean sweep. Congratulations. Thank you. Good All right, job. Just to go through the answers really quick, Mark McGuire did play his college baseball at USC. Pete Sampras has the most career Grand Slam victories as a male American tennis player. Will Chamberlain won his second and final NBA championship as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. And Urban Meyer was Alex Smith. Smith's head football coach at Utah. Sweet. Thank you. We'll call you tomorrow and we'll get you back. It'll be great. Thank All you, right. Thank you. David with us in the fight on 101 ESPN. It's 837. A couple of notes, by the way, from this date. Bar- Bartolo Colon <laughs> hit his only career home run on this date in 2016. He was 43 years old and... That was his only career home run. He hit 084 in his career. 084. Yeah. Bartolo, what was his nickname? Uh, Big Sexy Big was sexy. one of them. That's right. That's what I thought. <laughs> Big Sexy yeah. with the with the home run at 43 years old. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. And he, he won 15 games at the age of 43. Wow. And I don't think he was on performance enhancers. Yeah, no. So pretty good. And one <laughs> other thing that happened on this date in 1995 Reggie Miller scored eight points in nine seconds for the Pacers, lifting them to a 107-105 win over the Knicks. It was crazy. Uh, Just a a drive, a steal, a foul, another steal, and a three-pointer, and boom, nine points in eight seconds. Which impresses you more? Miller scoring nine points in eight seconds or Big Sexy hitting a home run at the age of 43? Oh, it's totally cologne. (laughs) Freeze Pops, you agree with that? 100%. It's the the most incredible thing I've ever seen on a baseball field. (laughs) And it was eight points in nine. I I had them reversed a little of of my dyslexia going there. Either way. Eight points in nine seconds. Either way, we're we're still giving the nod to Bartolo Colon. Randy, were my questions too easy? No, they were fine. I feel, I feel self-conscious about these questions mm, now. No, don't no. worry about it. If you say they're fine, it's like saying they have a nice personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're good. They're fair, I think. Okay. These are the kind that you would hear at a trivia night. So, yeah, whatever you want to throw at me, I can do it. You've had a clean sweep three days in a row, Randy. I'm off to a good start. <laughs> Maybe you are no, a morning person. No, it's, today's Thursday, right? It's, we're in a pandemic, so we don't know what day it is. Yeah, but did you get all four right on Monday, too? Did I? I'm not sure. I think I think I, maybe. Oh yeah. So maybe it's a clean sweep all all four days. I believe he's 16 and 0 for questions. Wow. Maybe you are. Uh, maybe they are a little too easy. <laughs> <laughs> but but if I go it. too hard, I don't want to get yelled uh, at, Randy. Oh come on! I only yell when they're ridiculous. <laughs> Anthony was telling the story the other day about how he was doing questions from the home run derby. And, oh, that's that's absurd. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Freeze Pops. Yeah, who knows free home run derby trivia? If anyone does, Randy, it's you. 
That's a yeah, good so I'm going to go ahead and, and defend I, my man Stalter because you know everything. <laughs> so yeah, I would totally assume that you would know home run derby derby stats. And earlier we talked, by the way, about your most confident and least confident aspects of the 2020 Cardinals. And coming up next, we're going to talk about that. And we want to hear from you with the Rhino Shield mic drop. And you can use the free 101 ESPN app. All you need to do is download the app and you can use the mic drop feature. We love hearing from you here on Carriker and Smallman. And you can also text us. 65780 is the number for the Air Comfort Service text line here on 101 ESPN. So what are you most confident about with the 2020 Cardinals? What are you least confident about? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we want to hear from you with your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Your Rhino Shield mic drops can be heard every morning here on Character and Smallman. What are you most confident about as we hope the Cardinals get started with spring training in early June and as they hopefully get started with the season in early July? And Michelle is confident, and as am I, in Jack Flaherty, old Irish. <laughs> old Irish, old Irish Flaherty. I can't do the accent like you can, but that's impressive, Randy. Thanks. Uh, we want to hear from you, and Lisa has left us a mic drop to 101 ESPN. Morning, all. So I right now am most confident in the return of Matt Carpenter, and I'm least confident in the entire outfield. All right, thanks. Bye. How about that? So she's very confident in Marp. I said no to him. That was the least confident for me. I'm glad that uh, she has the the thought process that he's going to be able to return to form. I I wish that we had Lisa on the line so I could ask her why she's so Mm -hmm. confident in Matt Carpenter. I would love for her to be correct, but as you talked about earlier in the show, I just wonder if he's gotten to the point in his life when those skills just tend to diminish. And, you know, father time waits for no one. And we know Matt Carpenter has worked and worked and worked. And more than anybody, he wants to get back Mm -hmm. to form. But sometimes that's just not enough. So I would be very interested to hear why Lisa thinks he's going to have a bounce back year. Here's an interesting text, Michelle, from the 618. Most confident in Jack Flaherty dominating. Least confident in Bill DeWitt playing the right guys or making the necessary acquisitions. Great text. Mm -hmm. And I understand why you'd be least confident in the Cardinals playing the right guys. We had a conversation earlier in the show about Dylan Carlson and if Mm -hmm. he was going to be on the roster when the season opened or if he would get playing time. And I'm of the camp that always you should play your best players, but especially now when you're going to have an abbreviated season and every game has that much more significance attached to it. I don't really care what the financial situation looks like. I don't care what sort of justification they can put in their heads. You need to put out the best lineup that you can day in and day out and give yourself the best chance to win. And I know a guy like Dexter Fowler said during spring training, hey, I'm just working on some new things. At the beginning of a season, a regular season, you can't afford to work on new things. So he's going to have to be sure, because he is going to play on opening day if he's healthy. He's going to have to be as good as he can be on opening day. And you don't have much margin for error with a truncated schedule like this, like you said. We had many conversations leading up to what would have been opening day about how long is the leash for this player? How long would the leash be for that player? Well, the leash got cut in half and then Mm -hmm. folded in half. The leash is incredibly short. So for a guy like Matt Carpenter or potentially a guy like Dexter Fowler, when you think about the potential musical chairs of the outfield, I wonder if the Cardinals, Mike Schilt, the front office, has sat down and said, okay, we're going to give them X amount of games. If it's 
I just think that the um, the kind of, well, let's give it a month. Let's give it 100 at-bats. We'll see what happens has gone right out the window. Let's hear from Ryan next. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, one guy I'm super confident in, especially in that shortened season format, is Paul DeYoung. Um, I think he can make a big impact with his bat, and I really like him this year. Uh, not so confident in the outfield situation. Uh, I like the pieces, uh, a couple pieces that are there, but I, I worry about how the manager um, utilizes that. Um, he tends to have a longer leash with certain guys. Um, so in that shortened season, it could be an issue. Ryan, that's a great call. Number one, Pauly D was having a great spring training. He said he had changed some things, and he did hit 30 home runs last year. And I, I didn't have a ton of respect for the 30 home run season. I, it just wasn't fair. I wasn't being fair to the guy. Mm-hmm. But he was hitting the daylights out of the ball in spring training. And what was one of the factors that led to you feeling that way last season is he was he dealt with fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a shorter season, you would assume you could connect the dots that maybe that fatigue factor wouldn't be there or at least be as pronounced as it was potentially last season. So I think that's a great call to put Paul DeYoung. And, and I think that the way I approached this was, okay, Jack Flaherty is a sure thing. You approached it. Paul Goldschmidt had a, a good season last year, and he's had even more time to get comfortable with, with this team. I didn't even take into account an abbreviated season and all of the factors and how that would affect different players. And I think Paul DeYoung is an excellent choice for someone to be confident in given the the current situation. And Paul will be with Dan McLaughlin and Scoops with Danny Mac coming up in the 10 o'clock hour here on 101 ESPN. As far as the outfield, I can buy into that because when you do look at the pieces of the outfield, who are you really confident in? If you look at O'Neill, Lane Thomas, Bader Fowler, who are you really confident in at the beginning of the season? There's a lot of question marks yeah, there. Yeah, a lot of talent, but a lot of question marks. A, lo- a lot of projections and a mm. lot of hope and a lot of what ifs. Yeah, and maybe that's why you do play O'Neill because he does have the greatest upside of any of them. Get to him sooner rather than later. This one from the 636, least confidence, Carp. I think he's done. And most confidence, Carlson is a can't miss. Play him now. Thank you. I agree. I just, I don't really know how the Cardinals will justify it if they don't play him, especially if one of these other pieces gets off to a slow start. Because when you tout someone as the real deal as a you're going to have to pry him from my cold, dead hands. I'm <laughs> I'm in no way going to move him, mentioning him in the same conversation as Albert Pujols, Oscar Tavares type. Well, and given what we saw out of him in spring training, and I know, you know, we didn't get the, the full look at him the way that they wanted to, but if he is everything that you're touting him to be, I'm using your words in mm-hmm. this in this conversation. If he is everything you're saying he is, what is the reason that he's not playing? It's a tough question to answer for them, isn't it? You would think so. How about this one? This is a good one, I think, from the 314. And this is kind of atypical of what we're getting from fans today. Most confident, strong starting rotation, or the Cardinals getting Arenado before spring training 2021. Least confident in the offense. Not a lot of people confident in the front office, but this text from the 314 is. I... Love that text because, as I said earlier in the show, the more that I think about it, the more I think Nolan Arenado is going to want to force the issue that much more to get to a contender. This entire pandemic has really put a lot of things into a certain light for a lot of people. Our, we, we've realized that things that we love and things that were 
considered a given for us can be taken away mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. And you have a guy who only wants to win and who knows that his career is only going to last so many years and who is desperate to be on a contender. And he just watched the season that he had coming up be abbreviated and be in question and that the future of his career could be put into an uncertain vacuum. And so if, if I'm Nolan Arenado, I'm sitting there saying, okay, the clock is ticking. The, I am watching the hourglass being flipped over and I need to get to a contender ASAP and I'm going to force this issue. Let's hear from Josh with a mic drop. You know who I'm most confident in? Shilty. Now some might question if the new wife, he could be a bit of a distraction <laughs> for the baseball lifer. You know, is his attention going to be split now? But I say no. I mean, he has his own personal cheerleader. Imagine coming home after every big win now. Yes, Shilt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shout out Mike Shilt on his nuptials. Yeah, and you talk about kind of a a weird honeymoon, but they get to spend a lot of time together now, (laughs) right after getting married. (laughs) Yeah, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, could go either way. But I think, uh, as far as our what our mic dropper here said, that that's only going to be a positive for Schilt, right? He's he's going to feel more secure, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. He's going to have someone there to support him if he if he has a, a tough game. He's going to know that he can go home and have his wife there to console him. I I think it's going to help him immensely. Here's a text from the three one four. Most confident that we will have the best performing shortstop second base combination in baseball. Least confident in the back end of the starting pitching that uh, in the rotation believes that it'll be under 500 with over a 4.50 ERA. If we are to think about Flaherty, Martinez, Hudson being the front of the rotation, Michaelis Wainwright being the back, Mm -hmm. then obviously the lack of confidence, if we have the same starting rotation, would be in Michaelis and Wainwright. Where does your confidence fall in regards to Carlos Martinez? Pretty high. Yeah. At least it was. I don't know what he's done, obviously, since the lockdown, since spring training ended. But, man, what we saw in spring training, he looked terrific. So hopefully he's, he's been able to maintain that. And he just needs to grow up. He needs to be mature. He he wasn't always engaged. He made a lot of errors. A couple of years ago, he, he could have won 18 games, and he lost three by his own errors. He won 14. I guess this was three years ago. So if he can stay healthy and be mentally engaged, I think he can be great. And he has been before. I know Cardinals fans don't want to hear it, but again, he falls into that potential category. Mm -hmm. We know what he can potentially give you. Is the reality going to match the potential? We don't know. And one more mic drop. This is Michael on 101 ESPN. thing I'm most confident in is pitching, defense, base running. No question. The thing I'm most concerned about is the offense, Uh, consistency in getting guys on base and driving them in. Um, But given the short season, I think that a month or so of really good play or really poor play is a lot more meaningful than it was last season or in previous seasons. It's a great point. You get off to a great start and you're 10 games over after the first month, that can go a long way towards winning you a division. So let's hope that that's the case. Let's hope the Cardinals are 10 games over after one month, 20 games over after two, and then take their chances. I like the sounds of that. They have a 20 and 10, and then another 20 and 10, and all of a sudden you're 40 and 20 at the end of August, and you're in pretty good shape. I think so. Hey, we appreciate your mic drops. Great to hear from you with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are going to visit with the county executive of St. Louis County, Sam Page, Dr. Sam Page, is next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.